Hi friends, this is Eric Barnett and you are listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about their music and the craft of songwriting. Also, I host a monthly songwriter showcase at Freehouse Brewing. The first showcase was a blast. It was on December 12th, and we had Noah Grove, Ben Somewhere, and Mike Friend sharing their songs for us. Check out videos of that on our YouTube channel. The next showcase is scheduled for Sunday, January 23rd from 2 to 5 p.m. and will feature Dan Riley, Chris Dodson, and Scotty Oliver. We hope to see you there. This week's guest is Dan Riley. Dan's a father, a singer-songwriter, and the founder of the Knightsville Porch Jam and the Edisto Blackwater Boogie. Dan is a super nice guy with a very interesting story, but I'll let you find that out on your own. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Awesome. How you doing, man? Really good. It's good to have you here, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, so I haven't actually hung out with you much at all. I think I ran into you maybe a couple times. Yeah. But I definitely, uh, you know, follow you on on Facebook and in YouTube and such. So have an appreciation for what you do. Thank you. <laughs> um, and one, one thing I try to do on this podcast is I try to research. It, it might seem a little weird, but if it's out there about you, I know about it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, maybe not to that extent, but, uh, I always want to say, um, there are other resources out there. Like you were on the Mufic, you were the songwriter of the month for yeah. March, 2020 yeah that that was right right at the beginning of something yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. and then uh you were on craft conversations with my buddy brian dales yeah. so i don't want this to like replace those so i always say go check those out go check out the mufic video the the craft conversations podcast i'll even give you a little something to look forward to dan says a really funny story about hiking and fairy falls he also <laughs> talks about uh, long distance running, so yeah. I won't rehash what those things are. Let's let's blaze our own trail here. Man. That's right, man. <laughs> so from Rhode Island. That's right. Uh, yeah. Portsmouth, what, Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Yeah, but see, mo- a lot of people know where Newport is. It's, yeah, it's uh, a Navy town, and so a lot of people are familiar with the shipyard and everything there. But I I lived on the opposite in, opposite side of the island. Also in Newport, they've got these huge mansions that uh, people go and check out it's right. where the rich people summered back when people, uh, I guess like used to build mansions more often. Uh, sure. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> it was like in the, the day when mansions were more popular, I right. guess, I guess they're popular, more popular are still popular. Well, we live in Charleston <laughs> yeah. where, you know, good money's thrown mm-hmm. after bad. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I was on the opposite uh, end of the Island. Like okay. The poor side. So <laughs> <laughs> There's, I mean, there's the rich side and the poor side of Rhode Island, and there's really not much more. I mean, no, <laughs> no, no, there's not much in the middle either. So, right, right. Yeah. You go for a drive, you're out of it pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, how long? When, when did you move to Charleston? So I came. I actually moved in, uh, moved to Goose Creek. Uh huh. Back in 1994. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was. That was fun. My parents, I, was, I just had turned 18 and graduated high school. My okay. parents decided we were going to move here. Um, I wasn't going to college and uh, my parents' health wasn't that great. So okay. I wanted to, uh, 
I said, I'll help you move, get settled in and all that. And then I'm coming back to Rhode Island because okay. I don't, I don't want to live in Goose Creek for the rest of my life. What the, <laughs> what in the world is Goose Creek? Right. Um, and so anyway, I moved here and ended up, I'm still here. All right. <laughs> Never made it back to Rhode Island. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Right on. Uh, so let's see. You started playing guitar. 12 years or so 12 years old yeah uh, between 13 and 14 oh, okay yeah okay yeah so my um my uncle had given me a old guitar that he he had in his basement and it needed gotcha. some work and so um i as well as a young teenager could do i fixed <laughs> it up and sure and got it working and played that for a while right on you kind of came from a musical family brothers playing guitar father yeah. playing guitar yeah yeah my dad uh he he played quite a bit. Um, he played piano and guitar, and he would play the the Beatles and some Bob Dylan songs. Okay, and, yeah. Um, the, he was a hippie pretty much okay. growing up, so you know any kind of anti-government kind of songs you could no. <laughs> think of. <laughs> so when did was was he a hippie and also a Jehovah's Witness at the same he time? He became a Jehovah's Witness after he was a hippie. After he was okay. Yeah, so I think the so he's a reformed in his eyes a reformed hippie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah gotcha yep so um you know you you'd said in other interviews that even though you had a father that played guitar brothers that played guitar you were kind of on your own kind of had to figure out your own thing yeah yeah that that was uh just the way it was in my family you know True. we we would uh my father would play and my brother my brother was kind of uh, not uh, um not a virtuoso, but just a natural. He's just not really musically inclined. And Some he, people are like that. Yeah, and he, he could play. I, I remember him playing Steve Vai and Joe Satriani mm. and Eddie Van Halen and just hitting every note. And, just, and wow. so I'd be like, Pat, you know, show me, show me, like, how do you do that? What are you doing? He'd go, and he'd just play this fast lick. And he said, you just go like this. And I'm like, well, that's super helpful. Yeah, thanks, thanks, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard you say that uh, early on you you had dyslexia as a child, so it kind of really inhibited learning other people's things just yeah. because the difficulties therein. And so you started writing your own stuff. Yeah, yeah, right um, out, right out of the right out of the gate, basically. I um, it was just easier for me. So, yeah, yeah, awesome, man. It, any any of it like you still can stomach listening to or singing? Yeah, I mean, I. So there's, I've got some of it back in the old files somewhere, <laughs> um, but there's one song, like a kind of a, a, a bluesy kind of song I wrote when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, I had this teacher, uh, I actually took a guitar in school, in high school, there was yeah. like guitar theory class okay. and the teacher didn't know how to play guitar. <laughs> but he knew theory sure and so that's what he was teaching us right. he was an older guy mr cocleagian uh, older older armenian guy and um he was just he was something else he was a riot but the, he, he taught us theory the guitar part of it was just like put your fingers here yeah <laughs> kind yeah. of thing sure and um so he he taught us some blues like the 12 bar blues mm -hmm. that's uh, i learned it from mr cocleagian and okay. so he taught taught us that and one of our assignments was to write something with that and so right i wrote this song and i still play it sometimes at gigs and stuff Excellent. so uh, yeah. when when did you begin performing were were you like the kid who was always like 
it had to be the life of the party and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I started performing out of the womb. I think that's that's good, man. It's it's a it's a head start. You get used to it. You get used to being up in front of people. Get yeah. all your nerves out of the way. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and you know, being raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, that's you know one of the things you have to do as or they expect you to do as a Jehovah's Witness is you you have to stand up in front of the congregation and talk and give yeah. the, give talks and like do yep. bible readings and all this stuff so that like that per- got me used to being in front of people for sure and kind of kind of sending you out to you got did you get sent out to like proselytize oh yeah yeah just That's... having to cold call people and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm pretty good at taking rejection. Sure. I would, yeah, I would surmise. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've mastered that skill pretty yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> and you said uh, kind of early on the blues took hold of you too. Some Stevie Ray Vaughan earlier. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can definitely hear that in what you're what you're doing. Oh, thanks. Uh, I know that you don't love the tag Americana. <laughs> I don't. I just don't like a tag of any sorts. You know? No, yeah, me either. And so I've worked really hard to try to come up with because people ask you, well, what kind of music do you play? Right. And uh, now I say American roots. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm telling people now. Like <laughs> for, yeah. for at least for this minute. Well. I, <laughs> Every genre is so loaded. I mean, some people ask me like what I do, and I'm like, well, it's singer-songwriter stuff, like a guy and a guitar, like yeah. the, like back in the 70s. And they're right. like, well, who do you listen to? I'm like, well, I love Tom Waits, but I don't sound anything like him. Or, right. Well, nobody I, does. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I'd, and I'd love to be Tom Petty part two, but that's not in the cards either. So, And then when you talk about blues, people think like 12-bar blues. Right, yeah, yeah, or they think like, you know the fancy leads and things like that and that that's not me but i actually had a guy um i was playing at the flower town festival this Mm -hmm. this past year and this older guy came up and he just stood in front he was standing in front of me listened to a song and then he stepped over to the side a little bit and listened to another song he was just standing there so in between songs he comes up he says your music confuses me (laughs) thanks i I laughed i laughed and i said oh really i said why 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 is that and he said what kind of music is it and i I said well um you know it's kind of a mixture of i think different types of music yeah yeah and he said is it cowboy music (laughs) and i said yes absolutely that's what what i play cowboy music (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you gave me the option of like radio country from the last 15 years or cowboy music, it's an easy decision on my part. Right. <laughs> yeah. Loves me some cowboy music. It, oh, yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of like, you know how like a John Hyatt sort of straddles the line? John Hyatt. I'm sorry, I, no, I, I'm sorry man. I, oh, I, man. As bad as I am with gear as I am with <laughs> with people, uh, performers. He, so. he kind of does. He He's a songwriter. I yeah. mean, it's you, you can't pin him down. Okay. I mean, he'll yeah. <laughs> like he he he's done stuff that's rockier, popier. He's done folkier stuff, but he brings sort of that kind of blues is more of a a vocal inflection or a I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's I usually say bluesy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I add that Y on the end because then yeah. people don't expect too much. <laughs> right. Right. So, were you performing your own songs in Rhode Island, or did that start here? No, that started here. I um, okay. I didn't really play any gigs until I moved here. Okay, and uh, 
once I started, I was playing in like uh, downtown Charleston, Millennium Music back in the day, which was, um, that was kind of one of my standard gigs and um, a few other places. But uh, yeah, I, I, I played, I st- when I first started playing, I only wanted to play original music. I didn't, I was yeah. like, covers suck. Like I'm never <laughs> going to play a cover. And that was because I couldn't learn them. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> forget covers. <laughs> well, when I, when I moved here, I really was going to try that route because you know, I'm one of the many from Ohio. I'll admit to it. But back <laughs> That's in, okay, man. We back in you. Ohio, <laughs> you could play like a gig where it's three songwriters in a night and y'all just play your own music and maybe sneak a fun cover in, you know, it's not the, it's the exception and not the rule. But here, the hard part here is, I mean, to fill three hours and to get hired, you got to play some songs people know. Yeah. The, the choice is how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and my, my line in the sand is always just, I don't play a song I don't like. Yeah. And I don't, I don't bring the iPad to the gig. And that actually helps because uh, yeah. if somebody says, do you, can you play such and such? And I say, I don't know that. And they'll say, can you look it up? And I'll say, I don't have an iPad. And that's just my reason. <laughs> that's my way of being there, like, there you go, man. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how to do I, that. I, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I mean, do you have a, do you have a dictionary of songs for me? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, you know. I've got about 120 in my head right now, and you're going to hear one of those. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to flat out tell people I don't like Tennessee whiskey, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, man. You know, to each their own. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Say. Yeah, absolutely. So, at at what age did you break from being a Jehovah's Witness? I was 32. 32. Yeah. Wow. Two years old. So, um, yeah, I mean, I had, I had been very involved, you know, deep into uh-huh. it was raised, you know, born and raised that way. And, yeah. um, was what they call an elder in the congregation, wow. uh, like, uh, uh, appointed when, uh, to that, when I was, uh, I think it was 20, it was either 24 or 25. I was yeah, very young for that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was just super into it, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it was it was definitely my entire life. So. Was there was there doubt in there at all? Um, not really, not really. Um, <laughs> I you know, on frankly, uh, it took it took me about seven years of mm. being out of it to really recognize that I would never go back to it. Okay. I, I actually thought that one day I would probably go back, but, um, yeah, it was the, the reason I left initially was because the, basically the demise of my first marriage. And so, okay. um, I, that was something that I had to get out of and there's not an easy way to do that in Jehovah's witness land. <laughs> no, no. I, from what little I know about it, I, I know that. And also from what little I know about it, I know that like community and, and familial ties are huge when you're in it. And I, and I know like within your family and within your church and you, you had a lot of support structure built in that when you decided I, I got to break from this for a minute and figure things out that, yeah just cut off just completely yeah it goes away and so that's the that's uh 
that's one of the like now i recognize that religion as a cult essentially because yeah you know that it's you have to believe a hundred percent of everything yeah you can't have there's no outside ideas allowed and you're not allowed to associate with people outside of it so they really create this culture of um exclusivity and not inclusivity and they'll they'll say that they welcome it they welcome all but as long as you're toeing the line (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they they they're very welcoming as long as you, you're progressing in the way that they want you to. But sure. as soon as you're not, then it, they're not welcoming anymore. And so, yeah. I mean, I I haven't. Uh, it. Uh, I left when I was 32. I uh-huh. actually went back for like six months when I was 35, and then I left again. Yeah. <clears throat> and um. Uh. I haven't talked to my family and not a single person member of my, my parents or my brothers or sister or anybody since then. So I have a, I have a friend, she, she's experiencing the same thing. Like she got, when she got remarried, like her parents weren't there and we were kind of just like, Hey, Nikki, what's up? Oh, I'm Jehovah's witness. You know, I don't speak to my parents. And I was like, yeah, it was, it's an eye opener, man. Especially since, uh, I can't imagine emotions are a very hard thing to navigate yeah especially if that's been your whole life and you have people who suggest to you you know just come back and it'll all be back to normal yeah (laughs) and you know and here's the one of the things too um i did try to go back yeah um after uh about two years going out like there's a process of going back and so Uh you know i i left I came back, I left again. And so then it's called being reinstated into the congregation basically. And so I, I, for two years, I kind of worked at this thing and then I went Uh and and I applied for reinstatement and essentially was told that they didn't, the, the judicial committee or these men who make the decisions that, you know, felt that I wasn't repentant enough. Um, and so that I would just have to wait until some undesignated time in the future. And, that was kind of when I started to, I, I, I still at that point believed them. I was, I was like, well, if they say that, then they're probably right. They, oh, they have God's blessing on them. And, and who am I to, to question that? And, uh, just totally really just brainwashed in it. And, um, that after a little while though, that's the thing that made me start to question because had any of really had any of my family reached out to me at any point and said, Dan, I love you and just keep working at it. Like, I know you can do it. If someone had said that to me, I would probably be in it right now. Wow. But so they did me a favor by not talking to me. I mean, I, I'm glad that I, I have the clarity that I have now, but like with the being cut, cut off part of it, it's just, I mean, to not have your father or mother to talk to you. Yeah your your brothers and sisters who, yeah. who were my best friends like my entire life right and now just just last month man my so i have two two children from my first marriage uh-huh. and my oldest daughter she just turned 18 and she's still her mother has raised her as one of jehovah's witnesses wow and so she just turned 18 and because she turned 18 and became an adult um she's chosen not to continue her relationship with me wow. even though we've been 
she's one of my best friends in the world and like one of the people I'm closest to and vice versa for her, you know, and, but that's how strong that, that, the, that cult really is, is they just really have a grip on the people who choose to follow. And so, you know, as with the rest of my family, I don't hold any anger or resentment towards her or them. I know that they're doing what they think is the right thing to do. Yeah. But, um, this song's called I Won't Say Goodbye. All right. And uh, I won't. <laughs> Here we go. All right. <laughs> the moment my skin was the first to touch yours love and protect you all my days I swore I wrapped you up I held you tight kept you by my side that night that's why I can't see A day without you And you without me I know that faith Is thicker than blood I've known for years That this day would come But I won't No, I won't I won't say goodbye No, I won't No, I won't say goodbye When I looked in your eyes My future was set Time stood still when our hearts met Time has a way of falling apart Now you're grown, soon to move on I just can't see day without you and you without me I know that faith is thicker than blood I've known for years that this day would come But I won't No, I won't I won't say goodbye No, I won't No, I won't say goodbye 
loved by your side A phone call away when you need a ride An ear and a hug when you need to cry So I won't, no I won't, I won't say goodbye, no I won't, no I won't say goodbye. No, oh, very nice, man. Thank you. Damn, that's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. When you start off as a child and that's what you're raised with and that's what your mind is formed around, it's I I can't imagine the indoctrination that comes in with that. And yeah. I mean, on the on the bright side, from what I can see and what I can tell from seeing you is that you've chosen not to continue a cycle of conditional love yeah is that uh i mean there's two kinds of people when they're raised a certain way or treated a certain way they perpetuate it and they they say well that i must have deserved it and everyone around me deserves it or they can say you know listen everybody's worthy of love regardless of you know this indoctrination or these you know dogmatic beliefs yeah yeah, it's, and from what I can tell, just hearing the songs that you write and the the things that you say, and that uh, you know, you're able to. It's it's kind of possibly giving you an outlook that otherwise you wouldn't have. Yeah, I agree with that. And so while it while there's a lot of pain and um, grief involved in my life, basically, yeah, yeah. just you know, I try to use. Um, love to just kind of transmute that and yeah. um i've never i've never been like an angry person i've always been pretty easygoing yeah and this situation with my daughter has with that that, that happening it's brought out some some anger that i didn't know was yeah there. yeah for sure i saw a guy walk out of a like a hair salon the other day and he had like a he just got his haircut yeah and I was just like, that guy needs to be punched in the face. <laughs> I was like, whoa, who was that? Where'd that come from? Well, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I know at least from my own standpoint, I've, I don't want to go into my own backstory or what have you. However, my wife has been the biggest therapist partner. Uh, we've grown together in such a way and do you find that in your oh, own yeah. life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Jana, she's just, uh, I mean, she's been really my a rock through this for me and just awesome. supported me so much and uh, super understanding of, of what I'm going through. And obviously she's going through it too. You know, it's not just me. And, sure. And for her to, to see me... Um, be treated in the way that I, that I am yeah. or not treated in a way at all. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's, that's hard for her too. And so, um, we try to, 
you know, we try to be there for each other to lean on when, when, uh, the time calls for it, but she's, yeah, I mean, right on. She's awesome, man. And it looks like, uh, looks like the songwriting's another outlet for, absolutely, for this as well. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, the only, the only single, the only song I've been able to find on a streaming platform is Mama. <laughs> yeah. Is currently, is that it for that, right that, now? That is. And <clears throat> so, I've been trying to record an album for the last 30 years (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, do I not like my music? (laughs) But yeah, no, um, (laughs) I'm I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. You know, I I was thinking about it uh, and I've thought about this often, but I was thinking about it on the ride over here tonight too. And it's like, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways I operate when it comes to my music, I operate in, in a place of fear kind of, And, um, you know, I, cause I've recorded songs at like six or seven different studios. I have stuff that could be released. I have stuff that is like close to being good enough in my mind to be released. But then uh, there, when I listen to it, I'm like, it's just not, do you, let me ask you that because you're, you're, you're reading out of my diary right now. Are you, is it the fear of a finality of a release? Like once you put it out there, it's out there. You can't reel it back in. I think that's part of it. But then too, like one thing that I've realized is that a lot of people record different versions of the same song and they release them multiple times. And so I, I really think for me, it boils down to letting go Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Um, and especially with like i've written i've written different albums over the years and the album that i currently have and that will be released (laughs) at some point (laughs) that mama is a part of is called waking up and it's that album is about my experience essentially of coming out and and waking up to to the realization that the world i thought was real yeah <laughs> wasn't right <laughs> you know right and so that that will come eventually um and i forget where i was going with that i trailed off what were we talking about <laughs> oh uh, anything Just, more to oh, release the finality. albums yeah yeah the finality of yeah. it and so and letting go and so i think with this album in particular it it's super important to me to to have it be correct um there there are are really hundreds of thousands of people around the world that are in the same boat that i am that have left jehovah's witnesses yeah and are shunned by their families because of it yeah and this is so the album is not it's my experience but it's not just about me or for me right it's it's a it's a mission statement it's a right yeah it's it's putting it out there and saying you guys aren't alone this is a this is a thing yeah it's such a bit it's such a bigger thing than it seems like though because when so if you're a jehovah's witness and you leave that's one thing you're you're either disassociated or disfellowshipped either Uh one your family just doesn't talk to you but then if you speak out against jehovah's witnesses 
then you become what's called an apostate. So that means like okay. you're essentially the antichrist. Right. So So I'm I'm now the antichrist. I just in case you haven't interviewed the antichrist before. first time. First <laughs> yeah, time. Right. I actually I had, you know, I had him come in in about a month, but I'll tell him I, you know, I got to you first. <laughs> yeah. But <It's>, <laughs> so so from your mindset of is like I'm this has to count. Right. Yeah. yeah. It it definitely has to count and I think we were talking but before we started recording about like stylistically there's there's a rawness and a stripped yeah. downness that I that I want to capture but there's also an ambience to it that okay um that I feel needs to be built as well and so I've you know Josh Jarman right I uh, only know a I don't think I've actually ever met. I think I might've met him once unknowingly. Yeah. So I recorded, I went and recorded some songs with Josh Uh and we've worked on some stuff together. Um, and he's got a real cool kind of, uh, ear for ambient sound and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And so like, there are some of the songs that we've worked on that I I feel like are really close to being released. And who knows? I might just, like, I've thought about just saying, what the heck, just pull the trigger (laughs) and just release it, release it and just let it go. Um, but letting it go, getting it back to that. I just don't think I'm ready to let this go. And also part of me is like, do I want to identify myself, continue to identify myself with this? Like, because well, I I mean, this, (sighs) it could be a thing that you put out there and you say, there, I said it Mm -hmm. now I can talk about what I want to talk or, you know, right now I can move on from, or you know, as much as anyone can move on from it. Now I can cleanse the palate and yeah. And so they sing about a sunny day, you know, whatever, just a battle in my mind. (laughs) I got you. When I made, uh, when I made my record, I, it was songs that I had around for years and I actually had made an EP at one point that I think I've pretty successfully wiped off the face of the earth, which in a, (laughs) in a digital time is a tough thing to do. But what happened? I'm going to find that EP, man. <laughs> oh, it's out there. What had happened was um, we were moving to Charleston, and I, I had worked in a factory for 13 years, and the factory closed. So it was my chance to get out. So I had like six months of unemployment that I was staying behind and selling the house. And my wife came down here six months ahead to try to find a job, find an apartment, the whole thing. Yeah. So I sat in that empty house. And I did like a Kickstarter campaign and I was like, Hey, can we fund this record? And I actually, I record my own stuff and I think I'm really hard to work with. So I played all the instruments (laughs) just because I, I'm such, there's no democracy when it comes to my music. I, I know what I want (laughs) and I'm either, I'm going to do it or die trying. So I sat in basically an empty house. I gave myself like a month and a half. And then I had a really good friend of mine named Tim Fry, another friend of mine named Matt Bauman. And I told those two guys, I'm like, listen, you're my producers. I'm going to do all this stuff and I'm going to send it to you. And then at some point, take it away from me. <laughs> Whether, you know what I mean? Yeah, when, yeah. When, you, when I'm done, take this away from me because I'll tinker with it. I'll play with it. Right. I'll, Forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, second guess myself. I'll decide the whole thing is terrible and I'll delete every file. Right. Yeah. So that's, that was at least what I had to do. But again, you know, it wasn't this big message in the same way that yours is. It yeah. was, 
And it's something where I look back on it and absolutely like I want to record every single note on it, but it's a document of the time. Yeah. And I go back and listen to everything I've ever done and hate every little bit of it. But occasionally I'm like, you know, that's not as bad as I thought. it was. Right. Yeah. And, and that's and sometimes I think maybe I'm taking this too seriously. You know, I'll tell you something, though. I'll tell you something. You have been out and about like I have, and you have seen plenty of musicians who have no doubt about their abilities. And I call that completely unearned self-confidence. So. You know, I'm I'm one of those guys where it really took me a lot to play in front of people, to play my own songs in front of people, to get vulnerable in front of people. Yeah. So I just feel like the more we're down on ourselves, it just means we're sharpening that edge even sharper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, man. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, man. We're sharpening it up. <laughs> yeah. You got to look for that silver lining and everything, man. So the, the Mama single, did Josh record that? No, Sue. Um... I've got some some really great friends uh, who just are opening a studio in North Charleston uh, okay. called Soulshine Studio. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And um, they so uh, my friend Everett is kind of the that's his brainchild. Okay, there and uh, we've been friends for for several years, and he knows my story, and he's got. <laughs> Everett, you should have on uh, the podcast, the un- unrelated to music one day, because okay. that dude, he's got his hands into everything. <laughs> What's he's, his last name? Uh, White. Okay, Everett White. Uh, yeah, so one of his big things is the fossil hunter. Okay. And uh, so he was, he is got some projects in relation to fossil hunting and some other projects going on. And he had a producer um, here who's worked on documentaries and whatnot. Okay. So... Uh, he told was telling me about him was like, do you think we could record this? I wanted to release Mama this past year in time for Mother's Day, mm, mm-hmm. and so, um, we did the we did the song and the video, and really, um, I this is another thing about re- me recording. <laughs> I'm giving up all my secrets here, man. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Oh man, <laughs> um, I have a really hard time feeling like i hit it when i'm not playing and singing at the same time okay so for me like i have to play and sing at the same time to feel to really feel it and so for me to sing over a track or record over uh even if i'm trying to record to a scratch track yeah i just it doesn't convey the same feeling for some reason to me and so um i went into their studio and we were working on it for a few hours trying to just get that track and we were trying to track it separately and just trying different stuff. And then I was like, but you know what? That's it. It's, it's good enough. It's, it's good enough. And Everett came in and he's like, no, he's like, you know what? Just, just do one more, just sit on the couch over here. And, um, that was the one. Those that, are always the best, you know, it's the ones <laughs> where you're like, forget about all this stuff we're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> just sit and play the damn song. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's usually the ones that turn out. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, and for me, that's one of the things, it's one of the reasons why I like organizing music events and playing live music and having fires and playing music around uh-huh. a fire because that to me, that it, sharing music is about that exchange of energy. And maybe yeah. that's one of the reasons why I'm 
hesitant about releasing my stuff because then I don't get to experience that exchange of it's energy. Hard to ca- it's hard <laughs> to capture that too. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some bands that I've seen live a couple of times and then I go to listen to their record and I'm like, they didn't, they couldn't capture that. No, and you can't, you just can't. There's no... So, some people can't. Some people like, you know, the record is... There are people that are meant for recording and there are right. people that are meant for live. It doesn't mean you can't do the other thing. But right. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. That's it, It's a hard transition, too. I mean, we're just people who play music part-time that are trying to do <laughs> yeah. our thing. I mean, it's not like we have, you know, producers that make millions of dollars right. putting us in studios that's $500 an hour because they know how to do it. Right. They, they could... They could squeeze whatever it is out of you, trust me, and then and <laughs> yeah. then edit and auto tune it and pitch correct it and do every little thing to squeeze it into the. But we just got to work with what we got. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm a dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So were you, were you happy with the way it turned out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, y- you know how it is. You're as never... happy as, as happy yeah, as you can I'm as be. Happy yeah. as I can be. Yeah. It, you're happy that you allowed it to get out I some am. days. I really, yeah, I really am, and that's that's the main thing is that my for me sharing that in particular that that song was about reaching out to. Uh, I posted that like on a lot of XJW forums and things like that, yeah. and uh, I've I got just got a lot of feedback from people who are going through the same thing that I'm going through that awesome. just, you know, thank me. And, uh, we're just grateful to have a way to express their, you know, feel their emotions because you learn to compartmentalize when, yeah. you know, grieving the living yeah, is a really weird thing Yeah, because like my parents live 20 minutes from me mm. and I could go drive up to their house any day, but, they wouldn't talk they wouldn't to me come to the door. if I went to the door. Yeah. yeah. And so. But I, I have a feeling if they showed up at your door, you'd go to the oh, door. Oh, of course. Obviously. Yeah. That's the. <laughs> yeah, obviously. That's the damn shame of it, man. But. Um, so being able to put that out and then have feedback from people going through the same yeah. thing, saying like, I haven't allowed myself to to cry or feel this. And now this this opened me up and it hurts. But thank you. You know. You know, the the one thing that I've always wanted back from music is, you know, it's it's all well and good to make money. I work for a living. Right. Yeah, me too. So it's all well and good <laughs> to make the, money. Not that playing music isn't work. Yeah. yeah, not, yeah. yeah we're not. <laughs> I, I don't want it to. I don't want it to become work, though. I, right. Like, I, I always want to have fun with it. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, especially if I'm writing a real vulnerable, vulnerable or personal song, it's to have somebody say, you know, like, I know how you feel or I feel the way you feel or, yeah. you know, you you get it or that. To me, that's more than the pittance that we get for <laughs> playing three hour cover oh, yeah. gigs around oh, town. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that c- connection for me. Connection is what it's all about. It's yeah. connecting with other humans and share having that shared moment and shared experience that you can you can't really have any other way i'm a, i am such a, i'm an emotional dude when it comes to songs like yeah. like i'll be in a dark You'll room both <laughs> yeah i'll be in i'll be in a dark room listening to a song and like tear up just because <laughs> it'll take me to a place and and to be able to try to just to try to do that 
to me is what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. This is a newer one that I wrote. Um, and <clears throat> going through this healing process that I've been going through, um, one thing that I've found is that when bad things happen and when situations come up where there's individuals who have broken your heart, basically, yeah, it can bitterness can be something that comes up pretty, sure. pretty easily yeah um or resentment and so that's one of like my main goals in life is not to carry any bitterness mm. or resentment with me because it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve anybody really even right. if even if that person has um <laughs> i mean it's so weird to have this happen but even just this past weekend i have uh, a friend that's struggling uh, he's been fighting alcoholism um and i've you know i've been there for him on different occasions and um he lashed out at me this weekend in a way that i didn't expect and it was like whoa like that hurts <laughs> you yeah. know but, but I know you're sick and yeah. I know you're broken and we're all sick and broken in, in yeah. one way or another, just some to greater extents or lesser extents. Right. And so like, I can't hold bitterness or resentment towards him. And so um, that's kind of what this was about is um, keeping your heart open, no matter what you're going through, because uh, once you close it off, that's, I think that's when darkness can set in. So right now. Yeah. This one's called a broken heart. A broken heart is an open heart If you let it live and breathe Drown it in some tears Bathe it in old memories Let those feelings roll from the depths of your soul Burn out everything that is old A broken heart is an open heart If you wrap it up real tight Hold it in the love you find Hiding in plain sight Fire flickering late into the night The stars smiling down on you A broken heart is an open heart If you let it live and breathe Accept the love your friends give And keep their company Yes, a broken heart is gonna hurt A broken heart is gonna scream A broken heart will break you down to your knees A broken heart is an open heart If you let it live and breathe 
A broken heart is an open heart if you let it live and breathe. A broken heart is an open heart if you let it live and breathe. Very nice. Thank you, man. So, uh, balancing this music with the family and the work and everything. I've, I've heard you say you try to get gigs that get you home before 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Where are they, yeah. man? Yeah, the earlier the gig, the better. Well, I make them. I create those gigs yeah. for myself. I'm like, all right, you look like a place that will host music. <laughs> I want to play music here from six to nine or yeah, right, six, right. five thirty to eight thirty. What do you say? Yeah. No. Um so that's that's one of the reasons why I started the Knightsville Ports Jam that I had yeah. going for a few years uh pre COVID. And um it was kind of selfish reasons. I was like, this place is cool. This would be <laughs> perfect for like uh like an open mic or something similar to yeah. that, which is what it was. And um I could do it on a Sunday afternoon yeah. after church. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to think about church in the South. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got to uh, give people the chance to, you know what? <laughs> and honestly, the people who are going to be watching the football, you don't need them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And you don't want to screen up because oh, then yeah. you got the cheering and the yelling while you're trying yeah. to sing your heart out. So right. I'm just going to. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> I got more. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. And, and you, any uh, any thoughts of bringing Knightsville back post COVID? No, well, so uh, th- unfortunately, the the general store closed, oh. and so there it's under new ownership, and it's uh, I think it's a barbecue place and something else now. There's a really cool little place up down the road from there called Lux. Yeah, um, yeah, Lux uh, Espresso and Wine Bar, I think is what they call it. But th- they've got an outdoor space. Just a killer outdoor space. It's so cool. Um, and I've played there a couple of times. Yeah. And I, I really dig it. Um, you know, I, I organized the Edisto Blackwater Boogie. And so uh-huh. that's that takes up a lot of time. Sure. And sure. so coming into this year, I have, um, I really, you know, coming into 2020, 20, 2022. Yeah. I want to get started on that earlier. Last year with the boogie, we didn't, we weren't able to start planning until like the end of May because of COVID. Yeah, nobody know if you could do it or not. Yeah, yeah, nobody knew what was going to happen, and so right. everything was just smushed into yeah. a short period of time. So I'm going to try to spread that out more, and I think I'm going to focus on a couple of my own, like focus on this album. Yeah, and I have uh, a couple other projects related to that that I'm. Um, hoping to to get rolling so awesome. um i think rather than trying to start anything new i think i'm going to stick with what i got and sure but i say that and i'll probably <laughs> <need it sometime>. well <laughs> I, I get mean, an idea and i'm like let's do that oh you go all in man. <laughs> and and one one thing that i've noticed is and that's something i'm trying to do with this podcast and this live music thing is you see a thing you want and it doesn't exist yeah and you're like so this should be a thing I'm going to make it a thing. Yeah. And uh, I'd actually been to Lux one time. Ben invited me out there. Yeah. I think you guys were like trading weeks and we I were, missed yeah. your week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Lux is cool. Lux is cool. Yep. So the, the Blackwater Boogie, you got a date picked out for this year? October 7th through 9th. 
Awesome. Yep. And I'm hoping you'll come out there this year, man. Oh, I'd love to. I'd <laughs> love to. Awesome. I think the I think the first year I think you'd actually asked me, and it was right when I looked something up, and then I will I will pencil that in the yeah, calendar. October seventh through ninth, and then this year was kind of weird um, because we didn't know what to expect with COVID, and so. Sure. We eliminated one of the stages and kind of downsized things. So there were a lot of people that I wish could have been there that we just didn't have the time, didn't have the time for. But I gotcha. We, it it turned out really good this year. We had almost twice the ticket sales as we did in 2019. Um, People loved it. You know, the whole weekend, I only got um, like three complaints out of like close to a thousand people that were there and they were all minor. Um, And, one thing that people say, uh, I've heard people say frequently about is like, oh, you know, it just feels like family. Like uh, people say that yeah. a, a lot about it. And so that to me is really cool because, yeah. <laughs> because I, my family won't, yeah. won't talk to me, but I got these people who, who oh, yeah. are my family, right. <laughs> you know, who are right. my boogie family. So that's awesome. You know, it's all like, and I, I think for me, I, my probably my biggest passion in life has always been helping people. Yeah. And, um, that's one of the reasons why as a Jehovah's witness, I was like really into it because I thought I was helping people when I was going and knocking on their doors. Like I thought I was helping them to come to a better way of life and come to know God and like all these things I thought. And so that was my way of helping people then. But now like I, I get to experience such joy like more joy than i ever experienced knocking on someone's door or studying the bible with somebody and not just knock that if that does it for somebody that's great but like being able to put bring people together and create a sense of community where people can connect and feel emotion um and a range of emotions and be able to just experience a moment in life that's pure and good and happy yeah that's it's beautiful that's what it's all about. Yeah, man. I've, uh, you know, playing around and stuff. It's especially like going to open mics. When you go to open mics, you're playing for other musicians. Yeah. And a lot of the time playing in bars, you're playing for people who just happen to be there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, or maybe your musician buddy has a night off and comes and sees you. But right. It's, yeah. I've had a few occasions where people come out. And they're like, well, we're not musicians. We just really are into the music. And to me, I'm not knocking musicians who see music and I'm not knocking people who just show up and enjoy something. But to not have a horse in the race and show up for music is like, yeah. I don't know. That make that makes it special for me to have somebody All who's right. just like, oh, we just, we, we like it. Especially when you know, on the occasion where they actually like songs you wrote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's awesome. Um, to, yeah. When you, when you play a song and someone comes up and like at the end of the song drops a tip, tip in your jar or in between songs comes up and says that song, uh, like touched me for some reason or whatever. Like that's, yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm always so, if I'm ever in a place and I see a musician and I go to put a tip in that tip jar, I always say, play what you want to play (laughs) because man, how many times are you out and are you out there and somebody comes up and it's almost like they're holding a five hostage until you play like whatever song this is. And it's like, keep that, keep your blood money, man. I'm just, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah. 
This monkey doesn't dance. <laughs> who goes who goes to a place and says, like, I want to hear this specific song? Right. Five dollars doesn't cover that, buddy. Like no, right. <laughs> you yeah. got 150 because it's gonna take me like six hours to learn that song. Right. <laughs> and like to wash my soul clean afterwards. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I had someone give me twenty one time and ask me to play oh, what was it? Um American Pie. Is it American Pie? Bye, yeah. bye, Miss American Pie. Drove yeah. the ship. That song is freaking hard, man. There's, There's like, like 18 <laughs> verses. And, yeah. That song is so... I was oh, like, yeah. okay, I'll try it. And I pulled it up and I had... I, stupid yeah. me. I had an iPad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I tried to play it. I made it through the first verse and I was like, I I'm sorry. This is, That's your $20 worth. Because right. <laughs> and, I, I don't know how to do this. And also, there's a thing where like... I don't have a particularly versatile voice, so I'm not going to try to sing something I'm not going to sound good at. Right, like, yeah. There's a thousand songs out there that I love, that I love dearly, that I just couldn't deliver on, yeah. so I'm not going to try. Both, yeah. yeah, it has yeah. to fall within our, our wheelhouse, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. When it comes to writing your own songs, do you have like kind of tried and true methods, or does it kind of just sneak up on you when you're not paying attention yeah I, I so mainly it's just spur of the moment stuff for mm. me um when uh when the inspiration hits i grab it and yeah and go um i've been more methodical about it i spent a little while like i, I went out to nashville back in early the early 2000s, like uh -huh. 2002, I think. And I met with some record companies out there and um, they, you know, I got positive feedback, which was nice because yeah. a lot of times they, you don't get positive. It's not a Nashville, no. <laughs> no. And they said, we really like, you know, we really like your stuff, but we want to see more of it. Cause at that yeah. time I think I'd written maybe 60 or 70 songs. I don't know. They said, go home and write a hundred songs and come back. <laughs> And then my first daughter was born, and so <laughs> now, now were they but, looking for the songs, or were they looking for the performer? They were looking for the songs. So okay. just, yeah, I was yeah. trying to just to get songs published as okay. a songwriter. Yep. Um, and so, uh, or pu I guess publishing houses. I don't know what you call them. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, in Nashville, they just sell songs. Yeah, it's a factory. Right. Yeah. I mean, they make yeah. a song, and they. Yeah. They'll say, oh, this sounds good for such and such person. And right. then it turns into a hit because they know what how to massage it. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what I but um so I did that and again I lost my place, Eric. Where where am I? Uh what Nashville. Nashville, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so I went out there in two thousand two and you know, talked to them and got good feedback and everything, but it didn't nothing ever came of it. Yeah. And um we were talking. What was the qu last question you asked me? Because I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I was just any methods there. on writing. Oh, songs. methods. Yeah. yeah. So during that, sorry, man. Oh, no problem, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. Nothing will make you more senile than having four children. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Uh, yeah. So um, during that time period, I was being, I was a lot more methodical about yeah. my writing, and I was making an effort to write every day. So you would sit down to write. Right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, it, I wrote a lot of songs during that, during that period. Uh, sure. You know, a lot of crummy songs. <laughs> and, uh, you gotta, you gotta write them. You gotta write the bad yeah. ones to get to the good ones is what yeah. I always say. Um, so 
now now with the way that my time is and my schedule and my family and all the other things that I have going on, uh, it's kind of like when when lightning strikes, I grab it and yeah. and go, and then I kind of let it sit until it happens again. You kind of do you like demo stuff on a phone and basically yep yeah you gotta just, love the phone man yeah just record it on the phone and yeah. then it's there i can go back to it so now when you're when you get in when you start into a song do you ever like think this reminds me of so and so and then you kind of channel a certain artist or do you think i can't say that i've ever done that um i don't think i'm good enough to channel anybody <laughs> <laughs> i feel you i feel you there now, if uh, you said your earlier influences were like Beatles, Dylan, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you still listen to them? Um, I don't listen to them that as much anymore. Now sure. I'm, I'm really kind of into the. Uh, I don't know if you'd call it new age folk or what. <laughs> like, okay, I just yeah. like the new. I like I like a lot of newer folk. Um, okay. Uh, I like Langhorn Slim and. Um, uh, you know Joe Purdy and okay. Ray, Ray LaMontagne and um, okay just kind of and it, that's a, those guys are all kind of mainstream um kind of stuff but I just I just put on Spotify and see what see what happens you're a what, shuffler what comes up yeah now, now do you ever do you have any albums that you're like you put on an album are you ever in the mood to just listen to an album yeah so um uh last in 2020 I got into Mount Joy Mm. Uh, and um yeah I, like, that was fan. a good record last year yeah and yeah. um the, you know that song uh astrovan are you yeah. familiar with that oh, i yeah. love that song yeah. i played that on repeat for Did like you? weeks man yeah, that's i, a I good just one. love that song my kids even knew the lyrics of that song which is <laughs> are not really appropriate necessarily yeah. for a child but it's fine yeah um they're learning so um yeah and i you know i went back and i listened to uh pink floyd's dark side of the moon uh -huh. I, I i was like you know what? i i've heard songs from that but i've never listened to the whole album through and then once and i did i was like oh okay yeah. oh i yeah, get it yeah. yeah that's the only way to hear that record you yeah. know what i mean uh, like i'm yeah. i'm an album guy I, and it comes from you know i'm a huge beatles fan was yeah. and still am and yeah like i i'm to the point where if i hear a song and I don't hear the song after it, it feels like, you know when you have to sneeze and you can't sneeze and you just have that weird <laughs> yeah, feeling? Yeah. To me, it's like that. I Don't get me wrong. I love the convenience of a billion songs in my pocket that can stream. Yeah. I love that algorithms can introduce me to new things based upon what I like. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is trying to shove things down my throat. Right. I yeah. wonder if record labels have a influence in that. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't wonder too hard. Eh? No, yeah, yeah, it's definitely happening. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, I'm, I miss like, I miss seeing a big old album cover. Yeah. I miss, I used to read the liner notes as a kid. Cause I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a production minded guy. Yeah. I wanted to see who played on it. Who recorded yeah. It. I, my parents used to have a record player and I, like they are the one the record that i listened to the most was blood sweat and tears do you, <laughs> okay. do you, do you remember uh what goes up oh, spinning yeah. wheel must, must come, come down, down. Yeah. i listened to that man <laughs> just and that album i like i read it listened to that thing front and back like oh yeah all the time it was so good um and i still go back and listen to it i'm like man it just 
But oh yeah, all those horns—they uh-huh. they just killed that album. They were so doing good. the thing, man. <laughs> right, so good. And so we we have a a, a turntable at home now, uh-huh. and my son, my six year old son, he's um he's like really into Nirvana and Blink One Eighty Two. Okay, my wife has been kind of introducing him to some of this music, and so he'll play it, go in there, and put on the Nirvana like uh, Nirvana albums and stuff, and just like rock out and oh, he yeah. he plays drums too so oh, awesome yeah awesome <laughs> he's learning <laughs> so if you had to uh if you had to pick i don't know call it five doesn't have to be five if you were to say these are my five favorite songwriters is that a list you could sort of come up with for the moment it doesn't have yeah, to be all me, time let me see five favorite songwriters i mean bob dylan is always like and i know it's cliche but it, it, cliches happen for a reason. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's him. I mean, he's just amazing. I've read a, a bunch of Bob Dylan books, and he's just so weirdly fascinating. Yeah, oh, he's an enigma <laughs> even to himself. Yeah, um, but beyond that, um, I like John Craigie a lot. Um, okay, he. He does a lot of kind of humorous stuff, I think. Okay. Like, but um, as far as I'm trying to think of favorite songwriters, and I know that they're there, and I'm letting them down right now, and I feel <laughs> terrible about that, and I just want to apologize. You guys will never hear this, but um, you know, Bob but, Dylan I mean, listens to the, this podcast. You know that, right? <laughs> so, Bruce Springsteen, um, I've never been a Springsteen fan personally. Uh-huh. You know, I just. He doesn't do anything for me. But okay. as far as his songwriting goes, I, like when other people do his songs, <laughs> I'm always like, that's an awesome song. And I'm like, who wrote it? Oh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's All awesome. right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, like, of course. Yeah, just looking at their catalog, it's yeah. it's undeniable. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man. Uh, it's... I don't think about favorites a lot. Yeah. And the, like my parents, so my kids will ask, always ask me like, dad, what's your favorite color? And I was like, uh, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. What's your favorite kind of ice cream? I, I, I have a hard time picking favorites. And I, well, I, think, I, mean, I, I think it's because I want everyone to feel loved equally. Okay. You don't <laughs> want to chocolate and vanilla. Sure. They man. deserve equal love, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm in different moods all the time. Man. Right. I, yeah. There, there are there are some songs and albums that I just listen to all the time, but most of the time, I just feel like, and it's a weird thing. Like I've been listening to a lot of like really produced pop lately, really, <laughs> and it's and it's mainly like trying to deconstruct it and see how they made it. Yeah, I mean, I and I you got t- like three or four people writing those songs a yeah. lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to to Ben, and I said. You know, a lot of like current pop is like McDonald's French fries. It's not really food, right? But yeah. it's scientifically made you to, for you to yeah. want it. I mean, <laughs> talking about songwriters like Billie Eilish and her brother yeah. are fantastic. Like Phineas, they're doing it in a bedroom, right? They're amazing, so, yeah. like, really great songwriters. Um, and then I, I, I would be remiss. I can't believe I, I didn't think of this guy, but. Um, a guy named Pierce Edens out of uh, North Carolina. Okay. Um, he's actually, he actually played at the boogie uh, both years. And um, 
his songwriting, he does like Appalachian rock and roll. Okay. But he his songwriting is just soul soul so soulful and some of his the the lines that he puts out there just break your mind apart when you hear him. It's like, whoa. Yeah. How did you put those words together? Right. In that way, it's it's kind of amazing. I think sometimes some of the best songs and especially lyrics hit you in a way where you like you're like, man, that was obvious. Like it was right in front of us all. Yeah. Yeah. How did you make how did you make something so obvious come out? Right. You know? Yeah. To me, that's the best stuff. It's anybody can write stuff that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I love Wilco, Jeff Tweedy actually flat out just says, I write stuff that doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that way I don't have to explain it. It's <laughs> <laughs> one way to do it. He's yeah. like very good at it. <laughs> yeah, he is. I, yeah. He has a, have you read his book? How to write I haven't one? Re- no. He has a book called how to write one song. And he basically <laughs> is just like, yeah, just write things. It's like, Thanks Jeff. Thanks a lot. But I don't know. That's not my style. My, my, or, or even what I gravitate towards listening wise. I, w- I want right. to hear somebody telling me, I almost want to hear somebody telling me what I already know, but in a different way. Yeah. You know? No, that makes sense. Uh, And it's I think the reason behind that is because you can relate. Like you, you, it, we, we like the things we know, (laughs) but when we hear it in a different way, it's like, yeah, I know that, but I didn't, know that (laughs) yeah it's it's obvious but why didn't i come across it right yeah obviously yep definitely so the the recordings you're you're working on or that are you know held hostage currently (laughs) uh is it just solo or other instruments on no so um there's there's other instruments um with the stuff i did with josh is very like pretty stripped down but there's Uh there's some uh some other instrumentation in there for sure and um you know, uh, I've record like I recorded at a studio actually not far from here, like half a mile from here. Uh, a guy who who's been a radio technician, like for radio oh, yeah. companies, uh, Bruce. I know Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, yeah, I know Bruce. Bruce. Is, he's such a cool dude, and I've yeah. recorded a, a few songs with Bruce. And um, it's just that same thing. It's like yeah. they're right there. I yeah. could I could probably release them just as they are and it would be fine, but I just haven't finished. Like I don't know, they're not done to me and they're not done cooking, so they're just right. sitting. Bruce has had them for like a year and a <laughs> half and they're not doing anything. And so, um, so yeah, other instrumentation. You know, I play with a band a lot of times. Yeah, um, and uh, I man, I, Bob Dylan said. Uh, I remember reading. He said that. Uh, any one man with a guitar can be any an army of a band any day. Yeah. Um, if he knows what he's doing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that stuck with me when I was younger and I was like, oh, I just want to be that guy who's like, who does my thing. And like, I'm just as good as any band that's out there. That was kind of like my mindset. Yeah. And then I started, started playing with other people and I was like, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing yeah. is though, you got to have the right people. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've seen a couple of videos of you playing with like a percussionist and a cellist. Yeah, yeah. And they 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 get what you're doing. Yeah. And that's so important to have somebody like, okay, man, you drive. Yeah. We'll support. We'll serve the song. Yeah. 
Uh, no, and I'm so like the the folks that I play with. I'm so lucky to have met them and um, to be able to to be able to make music even just when we practice. It's yeah. we always just have fun. You know, it, awesome. It's a good time, and we're not. I don't think we've ever been perfect, but we have fun, and you know, we're we're doing a thing that we love together, and so that I I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I, you are, you're right. Music is ultimately meant to be shared. What you were saying earlier, and to, to find those people that are actually, you know, on your team. Yeah. Uh, it it seems like in Charleston, there's a lot of people that play a lot of instruments, and they're they're concerned about getting gigs and getting paid. Yeah. And when money's the first thought, I think some things fall by the wayside. Some, I. Man, I went to college and I was in all kinds of bands in college where it was just people, we weren't going to make any money. Right. We were just trying to like make the best thing we could as a unit. Right. And that's a thing I miss. And it's, it's could be this age too. You know, everybody has kids and a job and they're trying to hold up a thing. So, yeah. you know, your wife only lets you leave the house with an instrument so many times and not come <laughs> home with any money. <laughs> So I, I get it, but man, I'm I'm happy for you that you found those people who will, you know, get in the boat with you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And there's I gotta say, in Charleston, we're really I feel like I feel like we have a disproportionate amount of like talented people here. Oh yeah. And, you know, we have so many really, really talented people. I could name probably thirty off the top of my head that, oh, yeah. that are just awesome that go out and like there are people busting their asses every week um grinding make playing three and four gigs on a saturday or sunday yeah. but that's how they're making their living and they're doing sure. they're doing that because because they love it and that like they've gotten to the point where they can where they can do that and that's sure. that's all they want to do is make music and i don't know for myself personally, if that I, I don't know that that's everywhere I want to be, right? Um, right. I, you know, with having kids and everything, I, I just couldn't be there. Sure. Um, but I respect the uh, the oh. work ethic. Like some of these young guys that are out there doing it, and with, sorry, I said guys. That was very uh, Guy, guys and gals. Sexist of me, <laughs> guys and gals. It's funny when you talk about this. There is one guitar player. <laughs> yep, we're we, thinking of the same guy. Yep, who's about in in for for my money is about the most talented guitar player in town. Yeah, absolutely. We're both talking about David. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. George Sink. <laughs> yeah, and he's my man. <laughs> and and he is a guy that I feel like when somebody. When somebody says like, "Oh, you have a gift," thank you for the compliment. Right. But that guy practices more in a year than we've practiced in our entire life. Yeah. I mean, that's it is completely earned. Yeah, it's absolutely. A, and and he's worked for every lick that oh, he plays. Man. Yeah. No. So I, I hope one day I can do something with him on guitar. All right. Oh yeah, yeah you got to man. He's he's <laughs> awesome, and I, I I'm fortunate enough to to play with him sometimes and, awesome um he remind david reminds me of a, a kid that i knew when i was in that guitar class there was uh -huh. this kid that he was into metal but he could play i mean just like all this crazy megadeth yeah. like 
Metallica leads, like all the like the stuff that was Slayer, like all the stuff that was big at the time. He uh-huh. could do it, and he was. I think he was like two grade. I think he was in like ninth or tenth grade, and he just ripped like <laughs> amazingly. And I, I was like, dude, how are you so good? Like what? Like how is that even possible that you can do that? I'm struggling to play like string four chords together, right, and you're yeah. just r- shredding. And he's like, oh, I practice eight hours a day. Yeah, and I was like, what? what and he, he's like yeah i practice eight hours a day he and, did all the not fun stuff like uh, playing to a metronome and playing scales and that stuff's not uh, right. fun yeah i'm like what do you <laughs> what do you mean you play eight hours a day you go to school every day right and yeah. he's like yeah well i get home from school um at 3 30 yeah and so um i have a snack and i do my homework and i'm done by 4 30 and then i play till midnight and then i wake up and i go to school <laughs> wash rinse repeat wow <laughs> yeah. and i'm like Holy mackerel. Well, yeah. I, I can't knock that. That you deserve to be awesome because you're yeah. you're putting the work in. And that's what I think of when I think of David. Like he's just always oh, yeah. p- putting the work in, um, practicing and it's it, it, he's an impressive dude. So the the thing that impresses me is the few times I've heard him play is you if you have that level of virtuosity, it's easy to overplay. It's easy to not play to the song. Right. It's easy to say, look at me. It's. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he serves a song. I, I went to college with a couple guys that one of them was a drummer that he could do all the metal things. He could do every little double bass metal thing you wanted to do. Yeah. And I was in a band with him and he did exactly what was needed for the song every time, even if it was something that would bore Ringo Starr. Right, yeah, and and (laughs) by the same token, I it was I also was in a band with a guitar player that was the same way. And and where I went to college, I was in the school of music. I was actually a trumpet player. Oh, cool! But I knew a whole bunch of virtuosic guitarists that had no taste whatsoever. (laughs) I mean, it was just so mechanical. It was perfect down to uh, the metronome, but to still be able to serve that song and play exactly what something's needed with the feel. And that's just special. And, it really is. Yeah. yeah. And to, to hold yourself back. Cause I've played with other lead guitarists here yeah. locally that, um, and not, I'm not knocking them at all. Like they're, they're good, but they I can't just, do what they do. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I definitely can't do what they do. That's why I asked them to play with me, right. but they, they play a lot of times they play for themselves yeah and so when you have that it's not you know it can still it sounds okay but it's not uh it, it just the feel is lost you right know? Yeah. yeah and to me like that is what is that's why i don't have a band currently it's because it <laughs> has to be it has to be that right group of people that have that right mindset that everybody yeah. has at least a compatible vision in mind right it has to be dudes you can get along with Yep. Not, not dudes and, and right. some and people, folks you can get folks, along with. Yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it too. But we're learning, Eric. Hey, we're we're know, progressing. At least know? we know we don't know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that that can't be said about religion either. Oh yeah. Know that you don't know. Man, if people just knew that they didn't know, the world would be such a better place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm uh you're the fourth guest I've had on the on the podcast. Uh, you are going to be on the bill with. Do you know Chris Dodson at all? Yeah, I, I I've met Chris a few times. Yeah. We worked together a little bit. 
Um, I've never played music with him, so I'm excited to do that. I've actually never formally met Chris. I've, oh, really? I've seen nice. him play, but he was in the middle of a gig and right, I yeah. didn't want to go. And it's one of those situations where he's like the busiest dude in Charleston when it comes to going around and playing gigs. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's, one, he's another one of... Uh, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that's grinding and practicing oh, grinding and just it like out constantly. And yeah. He's in duos and he's in trios and yeah. it's so it's I'm excited to talk to him. I'm excited to have him on the bill with you. Yeah, me too. And also, you know Scotty Oliver? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All he's right. in Blue Sphere and yeah. also co-owner of accent on wine yeah. have you played out there yeah i haven't played out there yet but I, a, i'd like to it's a cool, it's a place cool to spot play. Yeah. yeah he's got a he's got a record out that i think he made the record and then like just had a whole bunch of stuff in his life he had to do right uh and so he really hasn't been going out there and giving the record it's due for right, yeah. you know, playing the solo shows and everything. So I'm excited to talk to him. Well, I think he's pretty busy with Accent on Wine, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It keeps him <laughs> super busy. <laughs> yeah, and they're finally know. getting back together and doing some Blue Sphere shows here, too. Oh, nice. But it'll be cool to hear Scotty doing some of his own tunes. It'll be cool yeah. to hear you guys playing out at Freehouse. Um, Freehouse was nice enough to let me try this thing out there once a month. and That's so cool, man. Do original music and... It'll be awesome, man. You January twenty. Yeah, you gotta love venues and owners that are open to to new ideas and uh, yeah. having this sort of thing. And I I want to thank you, man, for doing this podcast. I, I listened to, uh, like I said, I was listening to Noah's yeah. um, uh, piece or, or podcast, and the way that you I, I, you're just good at what you're doing, man. And um, this is something I think that hasn't been done here in Charleston, and it, I think it's great, man. You're you're doing an awesome job giving us a chance to talk a little bit and share music and uh, providing a venue to where we can, can share that with others too. So well, I appreciate that so much, man. I hope yeah. that in the future, when, when the albums and the recordings drop that you can come back and talk about <laughs> yeah. them and uh, looking forward to the showcase on the 23rd. Thanks. You so thanks for hanging out with me. Now. Yeah, man. You too. Well, Dan's an incredibly nice and interesting guy, isn't he? Thanks for coming on the podcast, Dan. Be sure to check out Dan Riley in Songs of the Unsung on social media. And be sure to come out to Freehouse Brewing on January 23rd to see the next Songwriter Showcase. On the bill is Dan, Chris Dodson, and Scotty Oliver. Freehouse is an organic brewery, tap room, and outdoor beer garden situated on the banks of the historic and natural Ashley River. We brew beer as we wish it to be organic, local, and seasonal. With over 24 taps, including gluten-free options and house-made organic lemonade, we have something for all palates. Freehouse is open to everyone and welcomes all guests with a smile and a cold beer. Inquire about hosting your event or special occasion with us at info at freehousebeer.com.